time being seven o'clock, call the order uh, the Franklin School Committee meeting. Meetings are recorded by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29, as well as recorded by Franklin Matters. Recording in progress. <laughs> All right, and we'll start the Pledge of Allegiance and our pledge student. Uh, so we have uh, Sawyer Lane, is an eighth grade student at Horace Mann Middle School. Sawyer is a hardworking and kind student. We're pleased to have him represent our school tonight. Sawyer is described by his teachers as an active learner and compassionate person. He has embraced the school core values of growth as he is not afraid to take academic risks or make mistakes. He encourages other students in his class as well. Sawyer is polite and respectful to both peers and adults. His teachers say he's a pleasure to have in class. In addition to being an honor student at Horace Mann Middle School, Sawyer plays trumpet in the concert and jazz bands. He also participates in Franklin's Unified Soccer Program and recently brought a buddy he met from the program to have some fun at the trampoline park. Outside of school, Sawyer enjoys biking and snowboarding. A goal for Sawyer in high school next year is to participate in either Franklin soccer, cross country, or winter track. It is with great pleasure that Mrs. Motti and the Horseman teachers recognize Sawyer tonight. We thank him for all the ways he has a positive impact on the Horseman Middle School community. So please rise with a pledge of allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Now, as is customary, we'll pause for a moment of silence. Right. Uh, review of agenda. Is the agenda look okay, everybody? All right. Uh, payment of bills. Warrants are taken care of. Uh, payroll, Vice Chairman Peel. Payroll is in order. All right, then we'll go to the FHS student representatives. All right, uh, hello everyone, my name is Ahan Shetty and I'm the class president for the class of 2024 at Franklin High. Uh, some whole school news at Franklin High School. Panther Pride Night is gonna be hosted on February 12th at 2024. Um, and eighth graders can learn more about different sports and activities that the high school has to offer. Um, congratulations to the band for a successful performance last Tuesday. And the course and orchestra also had great performances on Thursday. Uh, any sophomores who ordered pies and cookie dough for their fundraiser can pick them up on December 21st. Also, congratulations to the Robotics Club for winning a state competition for the third year in a row. Connect for Cancer is hosting a blood drive on Thursday, December 21st. Um, all students must register before and bring a photo ID. And finally, Hiking Club is hosting trivia night uh, Wednesday, December 20th. Hey everyone, I'm Sid and I'm the class of 2024 Vice President. Um, I want to give you some updates about sports at Franklin High. Winter sports started I think about a week, uh, two weeks ago now. Um, so boys and girls basketball, they both had their season openers today. Boys are at home and girls are away against OA for both teams. Um, boys hockey plays their season opener tomorrow against CM. 
and girls hockey plays Stoneham tomorrow. And last week, the girls and boys team, track team, secured their first win of the season over North Alboro and will look to continue their success next Tuesday against Milford. Uh, for class of 2024, if anybody, um, everybody should be ordering their graduation caps and gowns now. Um, if they order it by December 22nd, they don't have to suffer any of the late fees. Um, and then for the class of 2025, uh, their prom is May 3rd um, in 2024. And the theme for prom is luxury this year. All right, thank you both very much. Any questions from the committee? Yeah, uh, just to just clarify, um, so can we see the robots club won the state champs for the third time in a row? Yeah, but this has been a state competition, um, I think, every year, and this is the third year in a row that they've, they've won. <laughs> great, great accomplishment, and just some great recognitions of the work that they've done, so I don't know if we can maybe get them here. They're on the, they're on the agenda for the next meeting tomorrow. Thank you. Cool. All right. Thank you both very much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, superintendent's report. Thank you. I just would like to echo uh, Han's comments about the music program and the, and the fantastic performances we put on. Before Han leaves, he shared some news with us tonight. Uh, we're excited uh, for him. He was accepted into Boston College into the Carroll School of Man Management and Finance, and he's worked really hard, and that was a goal that he set for himself. So we're really proud of Han that he's reaching his goals. to his academics, he's just a well-rounded young person that's uh, shown just tremendous respect in the time I've known him, and we're really happy for you, and, and wish you the best of luck with everything you do. Thank you. Okay. So I have just a few updates and some recognition tonight. If you look into the crowd, you'll notice we are joined by our Franklin High School state champion cheerleading team. So. That's a foreshadowing, that's a teaser, we'll get to that in a second. But I wanted to share just a few updates. So Friday, December 22nd is a half day for students. It's uh, educators uh, will use that time in the afternoon um, as part of their own, um, at their own discretion, it will be a half day for students and a full day for our educators. Uh, homework free, the Franklin Public Schools seeks to value family time over the, day, the vacations and has declared no homework for all students during those December breaks. This is a past practice that we've had within the district. I wanted to remind folks, Dr. Rogers will be sending something out as well to the district. And homework-free vacations are not reading-free vacations. Reading is always a worthwhile pursuit and is strongly encouraged as a daily habit among uh, our students and, and uh, all humans. Uh, vacations may also be an opportunity for students to complete missing work and catch up on assignments or study, depending on what their classes are. So it's just around the assignment piece. So. I wanted to just put those out to the, to the crowd. And now I'm pleased to present, as is customary, we seek to acknowledge uh, our students, our athletes, or any combination of folks who are doing things at Franklin High School or other places where we have uh, state champions. So uh, with that recognition, the Franklin High School cheerleading team has had another successful season. <clears throat> These athletes have worked incredibly hard all season and their hard work has paid off as they completed one of the most difficult routines in Massachusetts. The Franklin High School cheer team won their 10th consecutive Huckamock League title. They won, their, they won the Division I South Regional Championship and went on to win the Division I State Championship with the overall highest score in the state. 
congratulations to the team. They are joined tonight. We have our cheer athletes here, joined by their coach, Donnie, and other uh, coaches with them. And I'll give them an opportunity to uh, say a few words. But at this time, I'd just like to give them a round of applause and recognize them. Give you an opportunity if you had anything you needed to say. Otherwise, we can um, open it up yeah, to questions. No, I mean, this group, they're the most talented team. I've been coaching for 16 years. This is by far the most talented team I've had. And it was the most difficult group. <laughs> and I'm going to challenge that on a national level. Awesome. I don't Thank think they can be beat. Yeah, I'm very proud of them. They work really, really hard. This is great. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you guys for Yes, thank you. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, we're really proud of you. Thank you for representing just Franklin, our town, our school, and uh, your team in the way that you have. And we wish you all the best of luck moving forward. So, thank you. Yeah, and then I'll kick it over. You did right. Um, again, again uh, congratulations. Um, you know, I'll, I'll let the rest of my colleagues uh, speak before I hold the microphone. Um, any kind of comments uh, from the committee about the superintendent's report or otherwise? I, I'm curious, is, is there a national competition? Yes. We just put a, we just submitted a proposal this week to the athletic director. Wow. So it's gonna move up to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean just to reiterate, congrats, I know what it takes to be a high school student and a full time committed athlete to that level. So I you guys are working your butts off and it makes us very proud. So congrats. Thank you. Absolutely, we're, we're thrilled for you guys. Congratulations. My hearty congratulations to everyone. You made everyone in the town very proud. Congratulations again. Congrats on your hard work paying off. Good for you. Yeah, just echo the sentiment of my colleagues. Uh, congratulations, and um, I'm just glad to see that the effort that you've put in is uh, realized with this win. So, congratulations. Yeah, exactly. I have to echo that. Congratulations. Yeah, your hard work and dedication has, of course, paid off, and looks like it will continue to pay off. So, yeah, we'll be continuing to root for this, uh, continue for this journey. Uh, right before this meeting started, uh, we were kind of reminiscing, I think it was like two years ago, where uh, the, the cheer team kind of came uh, competing down in, it was Orlando at the time. And uh, as soon as the old uh, you know, seven members gave the go-ahead uh, to, to go and travel down, moment those doors closed, the whole team erupted. And uh, in cheers, we could hear it all the way down to that, to the parking lot. <laughs> and uh, so it's, just, it's incredible, uh, the, the history of success uh, that, that you all have, and the hours and hours and years of work uh, that goes into it to kind of bring to this level. So congratulations to each and every single one of you. Thank you so much. More updates to, to add to the report, if it's okay. Moment. You want to have a picture right before everybody? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to take a picture up uh, front? Mr. Sherlock will, will snag that photo. <laughs> you, want to, you can come right up the front. That is true. You're not all seniors, are you? Yeah. Oh, you're doing that. Yep. I know. 
<laughs> in the back. The non-professional chairman in the back. Is everybody looking at me? All set? All right. Thank you all. All right. Thank you. Okay. Just a few more uh, brief updates. Uh, we every year the MIAA honors coaches for each MIAA sanctioned sport uh, as coach of the year. The criteria are based on excellence of character, service, leadership, and coaching. And this year we had three head coaches that were honored by the MIAA. Um, Kristen Igo, our girls lacrosse coach, Zach Brown, our baseball coach, and John Layton for unified basketball as a unified basketball coach. So congratulations to Kristen, Zach, and John. This is a great honor for them, their programs, uh, our athletic department, and our entire community. And uh, Franklin uh, High School finished this year um, with the most wins across all teams in the Hockamock League. And what was most impressive uh, was that we also received the most votes for sportsmanship by any school as well. Um, a combination of performing well and simultaneously being recognized for showing great sportsmanship is our ultimate goal. I'm, uh, I'm most proud of that accomplishment um, through it all. And I uh, just wanted to put that out there. Credit goes to our coaches, our athletic department, and athletes, and all of the, the student athletes and uh, adults that interact with our kids on a daily basis to, to help support that kind of, um, that kind of accolade. Finally, uh, as the winter break approaches, and this year comes to an end, we at the Franklin Public Schools would like to extend our warmest wishes to our students, staff, families, community partners, and loved ones. We hope that, that you have a restful and enjoyable winter recess uh, filled with peace and joy, and may the coming year bring health and prosperity to all. Thank you very much. All right, then um, up next, we have uh, food service highlights. Just as we've done each meeting, uh, we've asked different departments, different schools to come forth and share a brief highlight on their program. This is an effort to try to showcase different areas of our district and organization. Tonight we're joined by Mr. Colin Blavier, who is the Director of Food Services. He's prepared, he'll follow the same guidelines we've put before, 12 minutes is the highlight max, and then some questions, and um, they're meant to be highlights, not full presentations on the whole the whole food service organization. And uh, with that said, I'll kick it over to you, Colin. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, and thank you for inviting me. Uh, before I get started with the presentation, I just wanted to um, acknowledge just the food service staff and how hardworking and dedicated they are. Um, without their daily hard work and um, openness to new ideas uh, that we, we try, uh, our program would be we not, be nothing without them. So I, I just wanted to extend a little bit of acknowledgement for, for all of them. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about new things for our school year for 23-24. Um, I think the biggest news of the year for school lunch programs uh, were, was Universal Free School Meals Continues. Um, this has been a, a really great benefit for um, students and the community uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, it has allowed us to expand quite a bit. One of the new positions that we were able to add uh, due to the continuation of universal free meals 
was a district chef position. And um, we are so excited uh, with this part of the program. It's allowed us to increase our scratch cooking in the district, and it's allowed us to expand our farm to school program as well. So the different dynamics of this program are to sort of support the scratch cooking in schools. This position is located at the high school and will um, prepare some of the more complex items that we'd like to uh, menu and then it goes to the schools to be cooked fresh at site, on site. So um, I'll showcase a few examples of that and explain a little bit about how that works. Um, uh, this sort of ties in with the next bullet of equip equipment investments. Um, we've done a lot of equipment upgrading for our program. Part of it relating to the district chef position has been some equipment that will produce some food in bulk. Um, so we've added a couple machines that will help um, you know, with our, our farm purchases um, a lot of time, a lot of times when we're dealing with farmers, um, they don't always want to deliver to all of our schools. So we can get a delivery at the high school. We have the proper equipment to uh, process it in bulk, and then we can send it out to schools to be featured everywhere. Um, so that's kind of increase um, has increased our ability to to do that at all schools. Uh, so we've also expanded our adult um, and catering program. Uh, we launched a new program this year, uh, or a continuation from pre-COVID, uh, where we have a special uh, menu just for adults in the district. It's sort of another good revenue source for us, so we do really upscale salads and upscale soups and meals that um, faculty members can order online, and then it will get delivered to their site. Um, so that's been a great uh, revenue source for us, and another way that we've been able to partner uh, with other uh, parts of the district. Um, we've always done a little bit of catering. Uh, we've done, been able to do a little bit more with our new district chef. Uh, we've been doing a lot of uh, meetings and district functions, uh, as well as some uh, organizations that are, um, have a function at a school. And then brand new this year, uh, we've started to do uh, lunch service at ECDC. So again, another uh, partnership that we've made. And uh, this uh, ECDC has been able to take advantage of the universal free meals as well. Um, so we're really excited about all the new things for this school year. Uh, so here's just uh, a list of some of the new scratch menu features. Uh, this is not the full list, but these are some new uh, scratch menu items that we've um, added to our menus everywhere. Uh, so uh, some of them will be featured in, in this uh, presentation uh, and with a little bit more depth. Uh, as an example, towards the bottom, the marinated chicken with risotto and roasted butternut squash was on the menu today at K-8 schools. Um, and so uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more feedback on that tomorrow from staff and students. Uh, so just a little bit about our, our contracts and cost savings um, and just a little bit about uh, you know why uh, our farm to school has been so successful this year. And um, so we've, we've taken a big um, effort into reaching out to more local places with universal free meals continuing. As I said, it's given us a lot more opportunity to, to, to do more. And um, there's been a lot of uh, funding available through the state and through USDA for our programs to, to utilize. So um, our program has gotten over $50,000 for the school year um, to take advantage of purchasing local foods specifically. Um, so that's been through supply chain assistance funds through the state and um, through Northeast grant funding opportunity as well. And it's specifically to purchase local foods um, that, we can, that we can buy from. 
So that's been a really good opportunity for us to kind of test the waters with some of these vendors and again focus on how we can expand these relationships and grow more. So there's been a couple different modes uh, that we've worked with with these vendors to, to set up contracts and set up agreements. Um, the first group is the informal quotes and that's um, Silverwood Farm is probably our earliest partner from years ago. Um, they've been really great to us and they've um, actually been great about planning with us for their next growing season. So, you know, when we have menu ideas, we can share it with them and then they can sort of guarantee our product for the next year um, and the quantity that we need. Um, Worcester Food Hub has been a newer addition to our uh, local purchasing. So they're obviously located in the Worcester area, but they source um, foods from a lot of local farms and other providers as well, not just fruits and vegetables um, that we can take advantage of. So periodically we feature uh, different things that are in season uh, and purchase through them. Um, the next two are seafood vendors that are local, so Red's Best Fish. Um, was featured earlier this year and had a really cool story that we uh, were able to post and share with the community. Uh, we feature um, fish on Thursday specifically because we get our delivery on Wednesday. So the idea is the fish gets caught earlier that week, we get it super fresh on Wednesday and it's just served to the kids the next day. Um, the cool part of the story with Red's Best is that the traceability is so great. So it tells you where it was caught and what port it comes out of. It, you can scan each of the cases, it will tell you what the shipping vessel that caught it and who the fisherman actually even was. So the traceability is just really cool. It tells you the weather, it tells you all sorts of statistics about when that was caught. So we were able to share that with um, the community while that was being served. Um, and it actually turns out that the fisherman uh, was actually from Franklin, believe it or not. And, uh, and, and so it just was a really, really cool story that we were able to share with the community. Um, North Coast Seafood is another uh, seafood uh, source for us. Um, they run a similar model to, to Red's Best. It's a local one out of Boston um, and that we, we utilize as well. Uh, so those are informal quotes that we get uh, based on our purchase value with these vendors. Um, this year we were trying uh, to expand our, our, our proteins as well. So we actually did uh, formal quotes with a, a, really, um, a really thorough uh, specification list for um, our pork and beef products this year. So we were able to award uh, a formal uh, quote request to the Meatworks, which is the Livestock Institute. They're located in Westport, Mass, and essentially they're a meat processor that just source local meats. And so they will source from a bunch of farms in the area, process in Westport, and get it to us. Um, we were also able to specify how far we wanted to, so we strictly will use um, Massachusetts grown uh, beef and pork for um, this part of the program. Um, so we, we planned three deliveries with them this year, and um, we're actually excited to get our next one next week with them. Um, so of course, we are looking for more additions for this program. We love working with local vendors. We love the partnerships it creates, and we love the quality that's involved with that. Um, and again, as I, I mentioned, the, the funding that was available through the state has been a huge opportunity for us to start these relationships and see what, what works and what doesn't for us. So here's a, a picture of the Red's Best I was talking about. So this was from um, Captain McAllister from Franklin. Um, this turned out to be a fish bake at all of our sites. This picture was from um, FHS, but all um, schools did feature this menu item. Um, so I had already talked a little bit about that. 
We paired it with um, you know fresh vegetables, uh, a breadstick, and an apple, um, or choice of fruit. Uh, this is another example of local carrots that were from Silverwood Farm. So um, the plate on the right actually features the local beef as well that was um, brought to our district. So the amount of beef that we go through actually was sourced from three different farms for that first delivery. Um, and these potatoes in this picture are actually from Silverwood too. Uh, so Silverwood, because they're local, isn't somebody we can source from year round. But when they're in season, we love to take advantage. So they, this fall, had carrots and potatoes that, of course, we wanted to take advantage of. Um, so this meal was a, a pretty hefty local meal that we were able to provide to students. Uh, this is an example of um, the ramen broth in process. So one of the new menu features uh, that, di that the district chef made was a scratch ramen broth. So you can see all the fresh ingredients being uh, created here. And um, there's a little bit of a close-up of the ingredients on the right and then what the finished product turned out on the left. So this is sort of the district chef's example where he's making the ramen broth from scratch, which literally took all day simmering. You know, we wouldn't expect you know, all the kitchens to be doing that on top of everything else. So this is something he can make in bulk and then is brought to the schools and utilized. Um, in the example for the ramen bowl, he also um, did a scratch Korean barbecue and it's tossed in a plant-based vegan product. So this entire meal was vegan. Uh, as well, so we're trying to again um, reach out to as many um, special diets or, or dietary preferences of students as we're looking for, and um, again, fresh vegetables with that as well um, with the noodles. Uh, so, this is just a couple pictures of the fresh fruits and vegetables that we have uh, available daily at every school. Um, they're presented in different ways at different buildings depending on the setup, but the idea is all there for them. We get fresh fruit, we get fresh vegetables, they get them every single day, and it's top quality um, all the time. Um, we try different options, we, we try whatever we can, and we go with what, what we find popular. So, um, the picture on the left is from Franklin High School, and the picture from right is from Oak Street. Um, and the one on the right features the cherry tomatoes, peppers, and cucumbers from Silverwood Organic Farm as well. Um, when they're in season, again, we take advantage. So this is our October 2023 lunch statistics. Um, this table just looks at each building, looks at how many kids um, are at each building, the number of days we service, and kind of just calculates how many kids that are in school um, eat with us. So you know, depending on the site, at every single site, more than half of the kids are eating lunch with us every single day. Um, and in some cases, three out of four are eating with us every single day. Um, so it's, it's quite a bit um, of, of volume that we're serving. Um, for the month of October, we average district-wide almost 3,000 lunches a day. And if you add on breakfast to that, um, it's, it's about 3,500 meals a day that we're serving um, for this program. And you can see for the total lunches in October, for lunches, it was over 56,000 meals for lunches were just served. Um, so it's a, big, it's a big part of the community that we're, we're happy to be a part of. Um, and then this table kind of just shows like a pre-COVID snapshot, um, pre-universal free meals, and to current uh, day, October 2019 versus 23. Um, you can see that in the, the lunch ADP, and ADP just is average daily participation uh, based on enrollment. So you can see that the district total has um, jumped up substantially 
um, from 38% to 61% of kids eating every day. And a big part about why we're trying um, like a lot of these local source meals, adding a district chef is, is that we want to really improve the quality of school meals to keep our percentages high um, so we can, we can be a healthy meal for students every day. Um, I think another number that's worth showcasing is the breakfast per day. Um, you can see it, we were averaging 214 breakfasts per day in October 2019, and we're up to 817 right now. That number is growing um, each month more and more, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we're over 1,000 very soon every day. Uh, you know, that, that's definitely a very growing part of our program as well. So looking at future expansion, believe it or not, we're, we've already been looking at next year's menu for the last month or so. Um, because of the way our program works, we have to plan very far ahead uh, for how to utilize the different um, parts of this program. So we're looking at next year's menu. We're trying to partner with a bunch of different areas of the district to, to see what's going to be popular and what we should offer and what we should explore. Um, one of the big things we're looking at is to see what sort of um, you know, cultural aspect we can add to our program and try to you know feature more cultures in our um, in our in our program. Whether it's looking at you know what you know who makes up our district or what's being studied at schools, like how, how can we be an educational piece as well? Um, in you know despite our, our primary purpose of feeding, we can also be an educational component as well. So. We're also looking at um, expanding local foods as well, as I had already mentioned. Uh, we love those um, community, uh, those partners. And um, just looking at, looking at our community partnership as well. So in addition to our lunch program, you know, we are also contracting and providing meals to um, the YMCA in Franklin, as well as the Amigo School in Franklin as well. So you know, we're just looking to see how we can be a benefit to the community and, um, and, and, and make some connections. Uh, so, you know, looking into next year as well, we definitely want to continue to invest in our facilities as well, make sure our kitchens are in prime condition to um, service our, our program. And um, a big uh, part of looking at our growing breakfast numbers is to see how we can improve um, the quality of that part of the program as well as the availability to students. And that's what I have for my presentation. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you very, very much. Uh, this is incredibly informative and uh, been extremely hungry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, got, I'll open the floor first for any kind of questions, comments. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any specific questions, but I love hearing about the partnerships um, here with local food providers. Um, and then I have to say that my kindergartner is much more willing to try new things at school lunch with all of her friends than she is for me at home. So thank you for this, um, for the you know diversity of the menu and everything. It's I'm seeing the impact of it in my own house, and I love to hear about it here. I think it's really impressive looking at the the impact of Universal School Lunch, like how it's really, really made a big impact to our kids. I'm interested to hear, you know, some of the ways that you think we can expand that further, really kind of drive up those numbers. You know, I think the idea that you have changing up the food, really trying to draw students in that way is great, but are there other ways that we could try and make sure that, that people know that it's there or that people are really able to take advantage of it? 
Absolutely. I think that one of the things that our program really does struggle with is marketing. So we've really tried to do a little bit more uh, features on, on the district's um, you know, media and things like that, social networking. Um, but definitely we want to try to kick up our, our um, marketing. Um, another area we're looking at is, again, the facilities. Um, you know, when you're looking at the numbers that we're serving, we got to think about staff, we got to think about equipment and how to keep up with the increasing meals um, and maintaining all that. So, you know, whether it's buying warmers or more ovens, we may need to hire more staff just to, to look at the volume and look at different service styles because, you know, looking at an elementary school that was doing you know, 140 meals a day, and now is doing 300. That's going to impact the amount of time that we have to serve them. So we have to look at all those things. So, you know, we're really looking at facilities. We're looking at marketing. We're looking at capacity, staffing, and I think those would be the best way to support growing numbers. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so one thing for the session, uh, definitely, um, as Dave mentioned. Uh, <coughs> Uh, causes an appetite because so definitely uh, great great food and um, love the just the visuals for it um, one thing I don't think people think about when you think about education is just the complexity around lunch and serving food and the work that you do and the foresight has been amazing um, so, so thank you for that your staff for doing that work um, because it's just a lot that goes into it in terms of just preparing and being ready for the students as you mentioned you'd said you're playing for FY25 now and you know that's so this is for lunch. You know, you think it's like, okay, look, what am I going to do for, for dinner tonight, for next week, and we'll hook it up, and you're thinking of next year, which is amazing. Um, one thing that I hear from people that was around, like, budget and cost, um, and you mentioned the grants that you received. Can you expand upon that just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, specific to the grants that we have available right now, I think that there's been a, a lot of new funding and it looks like it's going to continue a little bit into the next school year a little bit. Um, so funding is made available through a variety of sources, of course. The ones that we were eligible for are offered to districts for the specific purposes of expanding local purchasing. So of course, when it becomes available to us, we jump on it and try to get as much as we can out of it. So you know, there's in some cases, it's applying to a grant response or it's just even working with the state on um, fund, funds that are allocated for that purpose and, and, and getting them to your district. Um, so that, that's a big part of what has made this year kind of start with a bang as far as the local purchasing goes. I think you know, we're, we're seeing what pricing looks like through these current agreements that we have with the funds through grants, and we're, we'll be able to make decisions on which ones may um, outweigh the cost advantage or disadvantage depending on our menu features. So, you know, our, our program is a big puzzle, of course, and, you know, we can balance high cost items with some lower cost items to make these higher ones work for our budget. Thank you. And just thank you for transforming this food services and for our students. So, appreciate this. Thank you very much for this information. It's yeah, extremely well put together presentation. And thank you for highlighting the um, budget and cost-saving implications of your program. I was very interested in that, in hearing that. And uh, yeah, the, in the fact that you, know, you are very proactive about looking for which funding and grant opportunities are available from other sources, and that it shows just the, um, the the innovation that your program has, and that, you know, that we strive to. to um, achieve here in Franklin. This is something that's directly impacting 
our, our students' well-being and you know, be able to take those grant opportunities and then have that, that locally sourced um, you know, component be able to partner with um, with local vendors and local farms, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I think you now you hear about preschool meals and just think that we don't think about where the food comes from, we just know that it's there, but that we can have these um, high quality nutritious meals that are locally sourced, um, it, it's fantastic, so thank you for that. Um, I'll just quickly couple questions. Um, are kids eating fish? I know we have two fish vendors, I'm, I'm amazed by that. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we try what a lot of things and um, you know, the, the fish, the, the first round of fish had a really strong response. So, you know, with North Coast particularly, we're doing some salmon testing later this week um, at the high school. And, if, you know, once we get a couple of good recipes for that, we're, we're going to expand that to elementary. But, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of that, it's just testing the waters and we've had good success with this fish product. So. Like, to Erin's point, you know, the kids will try more at school. Um, and, and to do risotto at that level, I'm curious what the feedback will be tomorrow. I, I do have a recipe where, where Barefoot Contestant does it in a, a Dutch oven, like the big service for risotto. So I know it can be done, but that's, that's impressive. Um, when, when you talk about grants, um, and, and you had said, you know, because of the universal free lunch, those are, those are separate things that are going on with the state. Do we know if, if that's going to continue? Is that going to be a big impact? Because I know you said, you know, because of the Universal Free Lunch, we were able to hire this district chef. Um, I'm just curious what's at stake if um, things were to change or what the forecast might be that that might be still going on next year. And yeah, so I mean, as of right now, the legislation has passed it as permanent. Right, right. Um, so, you know, year, year to year, of course, there could be changes in budgetary for the state and the ability to fund it. The good news is is that USDA has expanded um, CEP, CEP opportunity for, for, for thresholds that's uh, community eligi eligibility provision. And um, essentially that can make more districts in Massachusetts um, fully funded by the federal government versus Massachusetts based on their eligibility percentages. Um, Franklin is not a CEP district, um, but the more that qualifying state will help the state fund this more in the long term. Um, but it, there seems to be a lot of support with it, and it's been a very big su success so far. So uh, we, we're planning on it being permanent for a little bit at least. Good, good. And thanks for all your knowledge on bringing real value to us. Thanks. Thanks for the information about your presentation. I just put this about the fish and the meat. How frequently do you get the Oh, the inventory? So it's based on our menu. So that's the so for the beef and pork products that we get from the Westport vendor, we've scheduled three deliveries for it. So some of it arrives fresh and some of it arrives frozen. And we the menu is already set for the rest of the year. So we were able to schedule these deliveries well in advance, which is a big reason why we're planning for next year at this point, when you're talking about the volume that we're getting from vendors like this. Um, so we've gotten, we're about to get our second delivery, which will take us through the next couple of months until we get our third delivery from them. Um, the fish is an interesting one because I can just call them up and say, can you bring some fish next week and they'll bring it for me. Um, but you know, they, again, we, we've structured our menu to work with um, how much we can hold in our facilities, but how much a vendor can also supply us at the same time. 
Um, so we, again, try to keep the menu diverse. And um, it, again, it's all a plan that, that takes a long time to plan. But once it's planned, it, it, it all just kind of rolls into place. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to, um, again, thank you so much for, for this presentation and for everything you, you do as well. Just as, as a dad, uh, when my kids are uh, getting by on lunch or getting lunch at school, it's such a relief in the morning. And, uh, and then, too, when you spoke about they had the, the COVID, the pre-numbers uh, before universal meals and then after, but this saw such a, a spike um, in both, obviously, like the, the regular lunches, but especially in, in the breakfast. And I think that's something, too, that you know, my colleagues and I talked about some of the things that aren't uh, spoken about or not. There's not a lot of conversation. So I think it was great to be able to see those numbers to see, you know, like, this is this is what you know, those tax dollars are kind of buying. Uh, you know, like, Mortons are hectic. And so for the students to be able to go and, you know, very quickly just make sure that, you know, almost 800 meal breakfast, um, you know, are being served every single morning. I'm sure there was a lot of uh, students before the universal uh, meals came around that uh, just were going to school without breakfast. I've been doing that plenty in, in high school myself. Um, so thanks so much for, for sharing that. And I love also really kind of seeing how, uh, you know, some of these, these changes from the state, not only does it allow you to service more students, but also really kind of take some risks and, and expand a lot of the, the services to provide some incredible uh, meals. You know, I had the, the pleasure of uh, having a pot roast. Uh, right before uh, Thanksgiving. And what you guys are doing, you're just knocking that out of the park. It is fantastic. And really thank you so much uh, for your service to this district. Thank, thank you. And thank you for all your support. Oh, yes, please. Um, you mentioned briefly uh, ECDC um, and how your department would serve lives there. Can you speak on that? Because I think folks don't really realize that your school team goes to that level as well. Um, sure. Uh, you know, that, like I said, is a new part of our program this year. Um, you know, I think a big part of our program that really hasn't been said much is, again, addressing food insecurity as well. Um, but, you know, the looking at the equity of our district and our program, it was really nice to absorb them and give them the opportunity to eat with us. Um, so those meals are um, coming out of the Horace Mann Oak Street Kitchen. And um, they have their own special menu that's designed just for their age group. Um, it follows a different set of parameters that the other menus um, <coughs> So it's a specific one designed for them um, and their demographic. So it's delivered to each classroom um, right in time for their lunch period as well. So, I don't know if I answered all no, of your questions. No, but perfect. Yeah, no, because it made me think back when I, my kids were in daycare. And fortunately, one of the daycares we went to, they had lunch, and that was the highlight for us because we didn't have to worry about packing a lunch for a toddler and whatnot, and it just makes it a lot more easier if it's quite there. So uh, awesome work as always. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're very lucky to have Colin. Um, Colin, you, you gave credit to your staff, but I also want to credit you for your leadership and the work that you've done. And, um, I've, I've gotten multiple calls from superintendents. Typically, when something gets posted publicly, I assume the superintendent hears from someone in their community about what we're doing, and they typically um, ask. I know we've set up a time to, uh, we haven't confirmed the time, but to have one of the superintendents visit the district to see what, uh, to see what we're doing. And I think that's just an example of Collins' uh, vision, not only the thinking ahead of what types of 
plants need to be planted uh, prior to the season as we move forward, but I think it's just a, a tribute to, to Colin and we're lucky to have him. So you all you all said that, but I wanted to give you the same accolades you gave your staff calls, so thank you. Okay. All right, moving on in our agenda. We have our Lifelong Learning Institute presentation. We are joined today by our director, Patricia May. She is here, she'll speak to her program. We're really excited um, to, to hear more about the program. The mission of Lifelong Learning and the Institute is really about, they just do such a great job of identifying what are the needs within the Franklin community and how can we support that, whether it's for students or adults um, or uh, staff or anyone. So uh, without further ado, I'll kick it over to Patty and thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Patty Gay. I'm the director of Lifelong Learning. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about our program. So Lifelong Learning is um, part of Franklin Public Schools. Um, we have been in existence since um, 1998. So our four major branches of our program um, consist of solutions, um, which are before and after school program, community learning, which offers a variety of programs for all ages, including um, Kids Corner, the Music Academy, which is, um, we offer um, band, string, and um, chorus after school. We also do private music lessons, as well as um, a two-week summer program. And that leads us to our fourth category, which is um, our summer programs, which um, we cater to students in grades K through 12. Um, we offer STAR, Ready Set Kindergarten, um, Music, Solutions, um, STEAM, which is a little bit newer this year, um, and Preparing for College, and also the High School Experience. The mission of um, Lifelong Learning is to um, provide the dynamic needs of our community by providing area residents of all ages with high quality extended daycare, as well as um, music lessons, enrichment programs, which are in an affordable, safe environment. Again, Lifelong Learning has been fully functioning prior to Franklin Public Schools since 1998. Not everything existed in 1998, but. <laughs> Just to highlight some of our programs, um, Solutions, again, is the before and after school program. Um, we have a before school program that opens at seven for um, working parents. Um, and then we have an after school program that ends at 6 p.m. That's a Monday through Friday school day program. And we're in each of the elementary schools in Franklin. And featured below are some of our uh, participants having fun and building and creating and um, building friendships. Uh, community learning is dedicated to providing programs for adults and children. Um, it's a resource for all ages. Um, our categories for adults include um, arts and crafts, lifestyle and culture, exercise and wellness, team sports, some workshops and events, online learning opportunities, as well as Kids Corner, which provides um, opportunities for students in grades K through eight. And we have, again, some of our um, Kids Corner um, photos. We have um, a home safety is the second photo, which Franklin um, please come in and offer for our students. 
and as well as um, a pottery class and some other um, activities as well. Music Academy um, is our music um, department and we do um, after school string school um, for grades 3 through 12. We do band school for grades 4 through 9. Um, we do a chorus, right now we have an after school um, glee club for grades 3 through 5, and as well as offering private music lessons, and that's for all grades and also adults as well. And we also offer a um, Franklin um, High School Music Mentor Program. Our summer program 24, which we're planning for right now, um, and registration for that begins on February 1st. Um, the summer programs include Solution Summer Adventure, STAR, as well as Ready Set Kindergarten, um, Summer STEAM, Summer Music, uh, Writing a College Essay, as well as the Common App Boot Camp, High School Experience, and we do offer some community learning over the summer, um, which is primarily um, team sports. Featured below are some pictures from last summer. We have um, our Waterside Wednesday. We had a bubble presentation. Um, we had um, the high school experience, which is the, the team leaders that are, that are featured there, as well as um, forensic science class that we offer um, over the summer as well. And to offset the blood spatter, I put a little friendly sign yes. up there. <laughs> yes. Yes. So just to go over what the lifelong team looks like, um, I'm the director of lifelong learning. We also have an associate assistant director of solutions. Um, we have a program manager for community learning, um, a director of music, as well as an office manager there. Uh, we have a community walking liaison, <coughs> as well as a lifelong learning media and desktop specialist. And just to give you an idea of what those numbers look like, um, for community learning um, for the fall, uh, we had 423 participants as well as 32 instructors. Um, Solutions Extended Day is a, a year-long commitment for parents, so we currently have um, 308 enrolled as well as um, 25 site staff. The Music Academy is servicing right now 227 students and between the music directors, instructors, and um, mentors, we have 28 staff members. And um, our summer program, based on the 20, um, 23 numbers, um, June enrollment was um, 942, and our program directors, teachers, support staff um, was 109. So we are part of the district, so we do strive um, to be aligned with the um, district improvement plan through um, offering social-emotional um, well-being for students and staff members and those highlights in those programs. Um, we encourage aging in rigorous curriculum through our many programs as well. can offer high quality instruction to meet the needs, um, the academic needs, as well as the SEL needs um, for each learner. And these highlight our, um, our readiness at kindergarten and our um, preparing for college, as well as our um, 
music type of lessons. So we offer effective tutor communication to support student um, learning, and we do that through our community partnerships, um, through the downtown um, partnership, through the Franklin Cultural District, as well as the um, Franklin Police Department. Uh, we collaborate together to do um, a couple different free offerings for um, students in the district. And um, we offer input and feedback through course evaluations, program evaluations, as well as newsletters and weekly updates. And of course, we also try along with our um, portion of the graduate as well. So our website is franklinlifelonglearning.com where um, you can find all the information about the programs. Yeah, and I want to thank you for having me here tonight. And I also, as you can see from our numbers, that it really takes a, a team of people to put all this together as part of the lifelong learning team, as well as um, the support from central office, of course, and um, the custodial um, facilities, technology, student services. Um, it really takes all of us coming together to be able to provide these services. So, thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I always appreciate um, solutions. And uh, my, my little man still talks about the high race at kindergarten. Uh, I've got some, uh, some great friends there right out of the gate. Uh, but I'll just open the floor to um, committee members. We'll start with Kippy. No. I'm just curious. Uh, each program curriculum, who chooses the curriculum? You guys design that? or? Um, they're each done a little bit differently. Um, like the curriculum for the summer, we put out, um, teachers could put in proposals for different courses that they offer. Um, the solutions program, they set a yearly curriculum theme and set the monthly themes and then the, each individual site provides their own curriculum so that it becomes unique to um, what the students are looking for, what activities they like to do, and things like that. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. Um, thank you. My kids participate in lifelong learning. Um, the thing that jumps out at me is just um, how much of an appetite there is for it. I know that um, I'm sort of perusing through. I have a list of all the reductions our district has made over the years, mm -hmm. and music's been hit really hard mm -hmm. um, eliminated in elementary. So mm -hmm. um, <coughs> just keeping it alive for those kids um, mm -hmm. is important. I would actually say, just like some good feedback, is that two week camp you do in the summer, I mean, people flip out about that. I know. I would think, like, yeah. if, it's, if it's kind of self-funded with fees, it's probably an appetite for more. Yeah, it, that's, a, that's a fun camp. Yeah. Um, and they do, they do music, of course, but they also have a lot of socialization that happens. Yeah. They have theme days. Um, and the performance that they do at the end of the two weeks always amazes me. Uh, they're able to do that in that short period of time. And it, it does even more for those younger kids who, you know, maybe don't have a lot of extracurricular sports after school and things, and because we don't have, we've eliminated music in the, in the elementary, then it gives them like a peer group earlier in the middle school, yeah. and they see yeah. the mentors, and it's like, yeah, it's a big impact. Yeah. And um, I don't just say that from like a personal point of view, yeah. I could, because it's like the, my, kids peers and things so it's like a confidence builder it's just yeah. all around yeah they, they build a nice community there yeah 
So thanks for everything. We've done the cooking classes. We've done the Lego animation, the whole thing. So thanks for keeping you know all that extra thank alive. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much uh, for all this information. It's wonderful that we, as a public school district, can offer uh, these programs to both our students and the broader community to supplement and you know, go beyond what we're able to provide students um, in class during the day. So thank you. Just a couple couple quick questions. Sure. I think I saw in the presentation, but I just wanted to um, ask for clarification. This had, had been asked in the community before. So is the lifelong learning to completely self-funded through the fees? It is. Okay, all yeah, right. Yeah, so self-supporting. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no further questions you want <laughs> um, Yeah, very happy to hear that. And so, you know, not only are we able to have these extra programs mm -hmm. that you know, all members of the community can enjoy, but you know, it's not costing our profession anything else. So you know, that's it's wonderful to hear. Thank you. And, yeah. and just based on the feedback <coughs> we've received, are you planning on expanding any programs in particular? Um, we uh, art. We put art with STEM and made it STEAM, and are hoping to um, offer some more um, art classes, and also middle school programs as well. We've had the feedback from from parents that have done the K through five star and want something a little bit more for that other age group. So um, we're hoping to be able to provide a little bit more of that for this coming summer. Excellent. Thank you very much, Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yes, uh, thank you. This is Mike Pearson said, yeah, great program, great program <coughs> for our families and the residents of Franklin, uh, mm -hmm. not just our students. Um, and thank you for jumping in and talking about the middle school disaster where I was going to go. Cause I feel like that's like an area <laughs> where we, we have less offering. It's yeah. tougher because yeah. we have such a wide variety. Yeah. Um, so glad to hear that there's going more offerings for that, that age group. Yeah. Um, are there any, um, so I know you mentioned February 1st is when registration opens up. Mm -hmm. um, can you speak to like, the communication plan around like, how we get the word out to the public so that they know that it's coming? We have, um, we do social media, we put that out through, through social media, and we also um, have newsletters um, and you know opportunities like this to come out and, and promote the programs as well. Um, so we'll, we'll put previews up on our website, um, put out communication, um, so we'll be able to preview what's being offered before the registration opens up and we'll give an opportunity to do that. Yeah. And a lot of it is word of mouth, if that's what we do a lot of uh, advertising and emotions. Yeah. I'll keep this in mind for the next meeting. Let them know. Keep it simple. February 1st. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for the presentation. Um, you know, I've had family, friends, and neighbors all take part in, in various activities you offer. And really appreciate uh, what you do. Um, and being self-sustaining, and mm -hmm. talking, especially with some of the conversations tonight, looking mm -hmm. at being able to expand, are there challenges that you know, potentially we could try and, and support you in that expansion. Like, you know, if you're able to be self-sustaining, self it, it's really great in the long term, but if that is also a limiting factor when it comes to being able to satisfy more of the community and asks, mm -hmm. what is it that we can do to help kind of balance that out? Well, one of our biggest challenges right now, I think, is, is um, staffing. Yeah, that's a, a big challenge um, that we have. Um, it's difficult to, to hire. We, we, this year has been better than last year. We're seeing some improvements after the pandemic, but um, that's one of our struggles. 
Um, but thank you for offering to help out. I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> I do. Um, space is another um, challenging issue at, at times. Um, but um, overall, we're, we're doing okay. So I guess just put the word out um, and that we are looking for proposals for the summer as well. Um, so we can offer more offering. So that would be helpful. Sounds good. Thank, thank you. Um, yeah, I think my only question, you know, I know how popular all of your programs are, but um, many, many people I know use, utilize your solutions programs for mm -hmm. their before and after school care. Mm -hmm. um, just wondering if you're finding that you're able to meet the demand for it, if you feel that there's there's areas that you'd like to expand into to meet um, demand that's out there, or if, um, or if you know, you're able to kind of take in all the all those kiddos even coming in late in the summer um, for after school or before school yeah, care. Yeah, um, we we do we are able to accommodate most families, mm -hmm. um, but we are limited um, somewhat by the, the space and um, the staffing as well. Right. But we're it's we have families that do they go click on that that date and they'll just yeah. Yeah, some 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 things are very popular. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a it's a wonderful service that you're able to offer. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you again. I, I truly appreciate everything that uh, this presentation had and, and just the services that um, that you provide. And I also want to thank you as well. I know a lot of my colleagues mentioned the middle school clubs. Um, that was something that unfortunately due to budgetary uh, constraints that had to, many of them were, were eliminated um, during the last uh, budget cycle. Mm -hmm. And so um, it is great, you know, just as I have received an email just as a parent about some of the, the middle school clubs that are kind of slowly coming back yes. uh, through the lifelong learning program. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not, um, you know, this, as everyone's mentioned, it's self-sustaining. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, and as far as the middle school programs, we are trying to offer a couple of clubs at Horseman currently. Um, and it's the, it's the Horseman teachers who came forward and, and were interested in teaching. So Life Online is, is really a platform for that registration process. Um, it's really the teachers that um, you know, we need to be grateful for coming and wanted to do that. So, yeah. Thank you very much for that too, and for, for the teachers that are kind of stepping forward, mm -hmm. um, because uh, I know that was a that was a big loss to the community yeah. when uh, when the district and when the uh, town of Franklin itself just didn't have the money to be able to kind of sustain yeah. all that. Yeah. So at least to kind of be able to find some other opportunities uh, to pull those back in was fantastic. So thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. One thing you didn't mention I was, I was expecting was Ski Club, and that's like when it's like a Taylor Swift concert release because that, that's like, I mean, I, what, was the, what was the time before it uh, filled? It was, the, it, it was under two minutes. Under two minutes from being published, it was completely filled uh, by school, so. Yeah. You know. Very <laughs> Okay, thank you. So uh, next up, we have uh, three gentlemen joining us at the podium. We have Brutus Kenrig, who's our DPW director, and he is joined by uh, two of his colleagues. We have Mr. Carlos Rubello, who is a highway and grounds superintendent, and Tony Brunetta, the assistant superintendent for highway and grounds. They're joining us tonight for their snow and ice removal program, or it's affectionately known within the town of Franklin, the snow presentation. 
So without further ado, I'll kick it over to you, please. Thank you. you. Mr. Chairman, how are you? Doing well, sir. I can tell you, start out, you got a good food guy. People hungry too, weren't I mean, I went to school in the 80s, and like, I remember they came out with the processed chicken McNuggets and whatever they call it. Was great. That's, that's awesome that you guys are doing that and stuff. You, you, know, you were talking about expanding. I mean, I'm sure the guys down at the Department of Public Works would like, you know, you can expand down there. I'll send you the link, Carlos, because there's an adult order uh, yeah. form you could fill out to get it. Like I found a new place for lunch. <laughs> So anyways, um, he, I was you know, talking to the superintendent. We have, we have a pretty good relationship. I know a lot of you folks are new. So I thought it would come good idea to come in um, and give you what we do with the SNOW program because um, we have a lot of clientele that like overlap. And uh, you know, they're not calling me, they're calling you about the conditions. So this way you get a pretty good understanding what we do out there and um, you know, we have a plan for everything. So I've, I've been the public works director here for um, almost 18 years next month. Uh, Carlos has been working with me for 14, and um, Tony's uh, actually a product of the Franklin School System. He, uh, while he was in college, he worked at one of our summer help programs. You might be familiar with that, a lot of students come and work with us. And um, while I was in college, he came back and uh, liked it so much, and now he's uh, moving up the old chain. Years. Yeah, 12 years here, so it's, uh, he's an excellent asset to our department. Um, Should I get this right? So, this is, these priorities, snowmobile priorities, um, these, these are established before I got here. Um, the roadways are always done first. And then secondly would be the public buildings and schools, and then finally the sidewalks. Um, these are established, like I said, before I got here, and it was done by the administration, the school department, police department, the priorities, number one. So our goals is, um, as the department, we're always gonna be prepared. What we want to do is try to respond with the appropriate resources in a timely manner. Um, ensure that emergency vehicles can always respond during snow and ice events. I mean, that obviously makes sense to get the ambulance, the fire trucks, everything up there. Um, <clears throat> provide safe passage of vehicles during snowfall and have roads cleared, i.e. showing some asphalt less than one inch of snow and ice within four hours at the end of the storm. I'll go through that. It's a, it's a pretty daunting task that we do, but that's what's expected of us, and we try to meet that. It's also very expensive to do it that way. So in um, FY24, um, our budget, approved budget, is about $1.4 million, um, $650,000, that's just for assault. In FY23, we only had 18 events. We had 14 inches of snow, and we uh, spent about $550,000. And of that, it was almost $430,000 was spent just on the snow. It's not typical. I mean, we try to do a running average, obviously, last year. Um, uh, I don't think you and I talked that much. You know, I mean, we, we talked during the day, but um, when Ms. O'Hearn was here, we'd be calling each other at 4 o'clock in the morning, and we'd talk a lot more through the years. So um, but last year we didn't re really represent what we do, but it's typically we spend about a million bucks, a million two, and an average, anybody know how much snow we typically get a year? 44 inches, that's the average. Here's one for you, what's the percent that it's gonna be a white Christmas? What do you guys think? Less than 20? It's about 20%. So, uh, and it's looking white. <laughs> a couple snowflakes. We'll take a few snowflakes. We don't like snow. <laughs> Just so you know that we don't, we don't like it. We don't. We don't get overtime. We get at work and stuff like that. So um, road salting. 
um, just kind of go over this with you folks. So our mixing rate is 100% salt. Um, when we first got here, they typically put, um, the old days, some folks, they put sand out there. The problem with sand is, is it's a lot cheaper than salt, but we have to clean it up because of environmental impacts. And what happens is that salt or the sand on the road, it actually would pick up the uh, oils and fuels that come off cars, and then you'd have to collect it. So you know it's $5 to put out a ton. It costs us a lot of man hours, and it costs over $80 to get rid of it. So we have to sweep it all up. Um, you know, the catch basins and clean everything up. So pollution, we don't, want to, we don't want to end up in our water system. We don't want it to, we don't want it to the rivers and stuff. So that's why we don't use sand. Um, the tough thing about salt, I will say, is that a lot of people are out there, they don't know that we're out there at times because, you know, we won't put the salt down depending on different types of heat. You can't always tell because it's, you know, depending on the color of the salt, it goes in, goes in the snow. They think, where well, you haven't been out there. Well, we've been out there and we've taken care of it. It takes different times to react it. So one of the things um, that uh, I, I implemented in the town is what's called a five truck route, it's actually six, uh, versus treating the whole town. When I first got here, they would treat the whole town. So if they called and it was gonna be an ice event or something like that, or pre-snow, they go out and treat the whole town. And that would take 14 sanders, um, basically 21 employees, 400 yards of salt, about 30 grand. So basically it cost us about $34,000 to treat the town. Um, five truck route uh, is what we did is we looked at the town and what areas were um, priorities. And that was obviously the main roads, the hills, uh, the downtown area, tend to get more traffic. I mean, it, I think you know the standard demographics of Franklin, um, we're a very suburban community. Um, most of our roads are subdivision. We're the, we're the largest town land area wise in um, Norfolk County. Uh, we have about 280 lane miles of road. We have 256 cul-de-sacs. So that just tells you we're really spread out. So, you know, my job is is to provide a safe way and to, you know, be responsible with, the, with the, the funds that we have. So it doesn't make sense to go out there. I tell people all the time, you know, if, you, if you're driving down Jefferson Road and you're doing 20 miles an hour and you slow down, you're not gonna go off the road. You're not gonna total your car, you gotta slow down. The fact is that people don't want to do that. They still think they can go down the road 40 miles an hour because of driving an SUV with all-wheel drive. And uh, yeah, the vehicle can take off in the snow, but it's all about stopping. Doesn't matter what you drive, it's slowing down. So we encourage folks to slow down. So typically what happened the five-truck route, we'll do the main roads, and depending on the conditions and stuff like that, we might do the whole town. But the idea is we're trying to save salt and also try to protect our drinking water. And the majority of the time we're doing that by truck, we're doing school park lots, town park lots, those are kind of included in that also. Yeah, they're always, they're always being done. And this is one of the things I put out there, um, I've been a big advocate, this is uh, environmental concerns because, you know, I wear two hats in town. We're doing the public safety as far as the roadways, but I also run all your drinking water in town, where it comes from. So back in 2000, um, so salt levels have been slowly rising and in town. So DEP, EPA recommends less than 20 parts per million. Now it's not considered um, uh, a type of, it's under control, it's just a recommendation. So you can see in 2000, um, we were less than 20 parts. It slowly has been coming up. And last year, you know, we're up to 66 parts per million. And that's, that's in your drinking water because we have to use so much salt because that's what the public demands. Uh, you know, I was talking to council about it. He said, you know, we can use less salt. You know, take longer to clear stuff. Take longer to get schools open whatever it might be, but 
they, they don't always want that. The general public want to be able to drive around during snowstorms. And we have to use more salt because of that. So plowing. So as public works, we put about 35 pieces of DPW equipment on the road at one time. That's cost me around $1,500 an hour. We also hire about 80 to um, uh, 100 pieces of equipment, which costs over $10,000 an hour every time you see those, we're out there running those things. You might have noticed that we're always short plow drivers. Have you seen that? This is not, everybody is. No one wants to plow anymore. It's, it's awful work. Um, it's lots of time consuming work. I think you just know, just folks are getting out of it. Um, businesses that used to do it, um, they're getting out of it because of the insurance costs. Um, they can't find employees to work. It's tough on the equipment, it all rots them out. So, and I think you see the construction, you say generally in the construction industry, a loader that might be sitting like in the old days, like here going out to plow, they're still working out there now because they can't, there's so much work out there. So that's what we're competing against. Um, sidewalks. So we have 35 miles of sidewalks identified for snowmobile operations. I can tell you that since I've been here, we've never added sidewalks. Like there's been new sidewalks in town, we haven't added them. Um, they are school walking routes, routes for my family. They're the downtown areas and the high traffic speed areas. I can tell you that we're working with the, the council right now. They're actually looking to do um, a commercial and retail properties along um, <laughs> 140, that's good, they're gonna uh, vote on the second reading will be next week. And the idea behind that is that it'll help us uh, get the sidewalks clear faster. Um, then my, you know, how long it takes depends obviously the time of storm, length of storm, type of storm, storm out. The important thing to remember is the same folks that are out plowing your roads that might be working for 40 hours, these the same folks that have to go back out and do the sidewalks. We don't have the luxury of having you know, a second force for the folks to do it. Uh, time to clear sidewalks, less than six inches snow. Snow plows are used, takes about a day, give or take. More than six inches snow, snow blowers, you can take three to five days. The, so this is one of my favorite pictures. This was a long time ago. But like, everybody, plow the sidewalk, plow the sidewalk. And what do you get? You get the student walking out there. <laughs> you, know, you can, what they say, take the horse of water, but you got a drink. I gotta tell you one thing that, um, we go back to Maureen. We kind of came up with an innovative thing, and I think we still follow it with the um, um, Sabinowski. She was a superintendent here a while ago. But, um, you know, to, to take the burden off, um, like we all really have to do the, the two mile school bus and who pays and who doesn't. So when it gets to be a storm event, um, what, we, what we do, and I said, like we still do, is we you tell the buses to pick up anybody, no matter what, if they haven't paid or not. Anywhere on the route, the bus goes by, they'll pick them up. And we've even hired additional buses to pick folks up, you know, because we don't want people walking in the road. And then it's also explained pretty well that the policy is that, you know, you don't feel safe coming to school for any reason, you're definitely not gonna be, be penalized by that. So we, we it's been pretty, um, it's innovative. We see it different ways though, because we see so many folks, they drive their kids to school too. But. Um, the bus thing has worked out really well, and I've shared that a lot of the communities, and uh, a lot of other communities have adopted that program too. That just, you know, someone's out there, pick them up. There's no big, you know, they're out there anyways, they're driving by, so we, so we try to get them. Um, these are some of the things I'm working. Um, I'm having a hard time with worker shortage. Um, we have public work um, employee vacancies, just like you all have in your school department, everyone. You know, it's just, it's hard filling people up. 
Um, we got new public works employees, the old thing where you know, guys work for the public works, they get in here and work for, for 20, 30 years. That's not the way anymore. The new generational workforce, they stay three to five years, then they'll move on somewhere else typically. Not everybody, but it does happen. We have a lot of transitions down there. And it's like any all, all employees that we deal with, you know, with a, whether it's a teacher or a janitor or a cafeteria worker, you know, it takes a while to train them up. They get to know what's going on, they leave. You get a very new person, they train them up, bring them in, go thing in. Um, the economy's getting better, so, you know, they, they pay more money. Um, Contractors can't find drivers. We have some great contractors that uh, have a lot of equipment, but they can't find bodies to put in their equipment, so we can hire them. Uh, insurance costs have got up, requirements, uh, CDL requirements, a whole other thing. That's the commercial driver's license to drive the big truck. Uh, they, the federal government changed the regulations on how to attain these licenses. It's taken a little longer now. Um, we lost equipment to private properties because they can't find anybody that's a lot easier them to, to pay more money. So they're paying more money than and as I said before, folks just don't want to plow anymore, you know, do the blood money. Um, effect, we have a longer timetable to clear roads, uh, more delays, cancellations of schools potentially. Um, I think people around here for a while, I think, you know, the old days it was like, go to school, go to school, you know, get them, get them done. I used to, you know, Carlos would always say that. We never wanted to be the one that had to cancel because of snow, we always want to be ready. I think the, the mindset of folks are out there, you tend to lean to more towards, um, you know, canceling school or delaying school, which really helps us out. And I, I'm sure you realize that delaying school is not so bad. You know, the worst is the early release. And that's when we, we, we talk a lot because, you know, you know, parents might be working in towns, how to get the kids after school. I mean, they could deal with a delay. So we try not to do that. And that's where you'd be a little more cautious on that. But, um, you know, we, we, we talk quite a bit during the winter. Because you know what, every decision we make on Clancy School, it's wrong. You know that, right? <laughs> it's never a right decision. Everybody's a Monday morning quarterback, and they all can do it better. So you know that's what that, that's what not me and Lucas deal with, and every other circumstance. So, and everybody knows how to do our job. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> so what have we done um, internally in town of Franklin? Um, we improved our union contract hours and rates. Um, so you know the 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 guys are getting a little more money. We recognize them that um, they get paid a little more overtime, you know, during uh, the weekends, the after-hours shifts, because it is difficult work. Uh, we raised contractor plowing rates. Um, we reviewed our insurance requirements. We actually lowered them, you know, to, to, to lower standards to get, to allow more folks to come in. Um, uh, sidewalk plowing, bylaw updated. It's ongoing. We'll see what happens with that. What we also done? We've changed our plow routes. Um, when I first got here, um, they were very confusing. I'm not gonna, it's like the old way, it was all piecemeal. And then Carlos and I worked on it quite a bit. And then um, Tony came in and um, did a great job two, two, three years ago. Three years. three years ago. And we updated all the routes and now we're improving again. We're actually got a consultant. It's gonna be looking at even what we've done. And he was very impressed how far we have come with our prior routes and optimization. But they're actually gonna take even a step farther using GIS and route management and snow and type of equipment. So uh, we're going through that process right now. Uh, proper mains, calibration, assaulting equipment, obviously that's part of the other thing is what I gotta do to protect the water department. Um, we have new equipment. You might've got a lot of calls on this stuff. The truck on the right-hand side, we actually can go up three or four days beforehand. And uh, depending on the type of snow, we can put li liquid, liquid calcium down with beet juice in it. So it, it creates that bond on the road that won't allow it to freeze and stick to the road. So 
It's, uh, it's more economical, it's more timing, and it gives us better response. The other thing we've also done is weather service and cameras because the technology now they will have live feeds at different intersections. Because we deal with sometimes that, um, you know, you can be down on Washington Street towards Woonsocket and it could be raining. And you go up on Lincoln Street and it could be snowing. Cause, you know, so far away. And it's like, how do we respond to that? So having cameras out there is really going to help us. And the cameras also have a surface temperature reading, so which is crucial. So we can see it. Tony and I usually monitor that all the time, so we can see if it's reaching. We get alert if it goes under 33 degrees. Uh, also with the cameras, we'll be able to see if the roads are drying up or not. Uh, if they're still wet, we get the alert. It's going below 32. We know we can get salt sanders out, salters out there and take care of business. So some good technology. It's really amazing. We have it in our trucks too, but it's really amazing when you drive around. The huge difference between 32 and 33. I mean, once it starts, it starts locking up. But at 33, you're fine. It <laughs> doesn't matter if it's 33 or 90. <laughs> it ain't freezing. But you hit that 32 mark, and it's, it just starts going. So it's, uh, it's kind of thing. Um, items that affect our response, how we do things. Um, obviously, the timing of the storm, uh, the day of the week, obviously, when you think about school days or weekends, traffic, um, hour of the day. You know, we obviously tend to get the more snow and freezing at night when the sun's down. But, you know, when you get those, when it starts getting, particularly you guys deal with the salt thing, we're trying to get out there, you know, the freezing. It happens, you know, sometimes, typically, usually be 4 and 6 p.m., right? Once we're driving on the road, 4 to 8 p.m., right? So all that traffic out there, they're slowing down our salt trucks. We can't respond as quickly. We can't get out there. So we try to anticipate what we're going to do, but we also want, can't anticipate so much because we don't want to put down the product waste money and, and then it doesn't go below you know, 32 degrees. Our duration of the storm, you know, how long it's going to be. We only have so many assets, so many resources, which is our people. I mean, my guys do a great job, but you know, you can't keep them up forever. They, they need rest. They need to slow down. And we need to take care of them. Um, amount of type of precipitation, obviously, um, what's come down to freezing rain, everything, the snow, the light stuff, that makes a big difference what happens. Temperature during the storm, um, like I said, if you ran around, you know, 30 degrees, not so bad. Then it gets down really cold when it gets down to the teens. The snow, you know, it gets really cold. The snow blows around a lot more. You get drifting. So you think about stuff like that. Uh, weather pattern, this is a really big one, whether it's going from warm to cold or cold to warm. And it depends on every storm is different. But if we're going from warm to cold, it's like a rain's locking up. It can lock up for six or seven days after that. So we got to make sure we have the right product down. It's clear at the right time. Other times, like, you know, cold and warm is much better. Even if it's snowing, we know the next day it's going to warm up a little, the sun's going to come out in the sky. It affects what we do. Can I, have to, I have to say, some of that freezing rain uh, with the salt applications, it's got to be one of our uh, most trying thing to do because we're having, it, it's washing away the salt, it's refreezing, we're retreating. Uh, it, it's actually probably, I, I would rather have eight inches of snow, dump, let's clean it, and put salt down and be done with it. But the freezing rain, uh, is, is just a really tough thing. We've been, we've had those, and you know, people talk about uh, you know climate change and all that stuff. But the freezing rain is constantly. It's we end up spending so much money in salt, and you know, people are like, hey, you haven't treated it's slippery out there. And like, yes, we did. And it washed away, and then we're kind of back out there again. So it, it, it can be really tough with the freezing rain. And then obviously, thank you. The obviously the frost in the ground outside the ground. You know, if it's in the ground, it's gonna. Obviously, the, the snow and the ice is going to stick a lot more. A month of the storm is huge. Um, when you're getting a storm in November, December, you know, it's all about the sun and the sky. 
and where it's going to be. You know, if you come April, May, the sun comes up a lot quicker. You get a lot of radiation warming. It helps uh, get rid of it. I can't figure out the last one. Did you guys remember? Recent storm activities. Huh? Recent storm activities. Recent storm activities, yeah. It, it snowed last week, right? And it snows again. Remember 2014? Not, you know, 130 inches like every three days, you know, because that really affected how we uh, we did stuff. You know, that was kind of nice because, you know, the public, it was so bad. They really liked us. They thanked us. They came <laughs> down. They're like, you know, they couldn't get out. It was, it was good. The worst thing we deal with, honestly, is like, you know, Carl's just saying, like the three to four inches of snow. That's the one people, they, they go mental about. You know, it's like, it should be all clear, it's doing this. My children, they just first time driving the storm, the parking lot, I mean, it's crazy. But that's the general public. Well, what do you do? Um, so how do we prepare a storm? We're like everybody else who watch the weather. You know, we see what's going on. Equipment readiness, we have our equipment. Always make sure everything's going. Availability, DPW pers personnel, you know, vacancies, you know, guys might be out. Uh, we don't really allow vacations. Everybody's stuck down there all winter. No one goes away. I'm only kidding. Some people get full waves. But, um, you know, contact with other departments, whether the school department, police department, fire department, facilities. We talk with them what's going on, the other issues. Recreation, a big one. You guys are part of that. We talk about they're having events, you know, at the, uh, at the high school or, you know, different basketball type games. Um, you know, Franklin makes the playoffs a lot, so we get a, we get a lot of it. No, we do, but that affects what we have to do. Because, you know, you know, basketball during season, when they're coming out here, we have to do. Um, availability of uh, supplies, that really hasn't been that big of a problem lately. And then uh, training after action reviews, and we get ready to action. We're constantly training, we're looking for improvements that we can do. These are a couple of things, you know, I use as a public service announcement for you folks too, and everybody watching at home. Pushing stones the roadway, um, you can't do that, and we hate it. Oh my God, you get the road all clear, and you get people like this, they push the stone on the road. And uh, Carl's the time, not afraid to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning, I'm not. <laughs> I'm up, you're up. Um, so, winter storm overnight parking ban. This actually worked pretty good. Um, you know, a lot of communities, they'll say, like the middle of November, middle of you can't park on the roads at all. We recognize that's a problem. So basically, the parking motor vehicles and the layout is between the hours of 1 and 10 a.m. And that's basically get the overnight parking. And realistically, it had, you know, the first storm, no one knows about it. The Franklin police are great. They've all put warnings on all the vehicles. And uh, it doesn't happen again. Most of that stuff's downtown. And, um, you know, the Dean College students, they, you know, most of those folks, they don't really know. But they, they figure it out. Second time, they definitely figure it out because we tell Because we can do that. Uh, availability salt. People, you know, used to think they could come down and the, the garage and take all the salt they want. It's not safe coming down that we don't do it. DP regulations don't allow it, and just a liability. So we stopped that a long time ago. Obviously, fire hydrants. We don't clear fire hydrants. That's you know the, we ask the residents to do that. Um, folks are pretty good about that. Sometimes they get buried. So if you can't find it, you know there's one out there you saw in the springtime. We'll come out and find it for you. And if you want a marker, we I think we put them on. Basketball loops, uh, they're not allowed in the public right away. Um, they're obstructing the streets and sidewalks. This is one that was out there when I first got here, obviously. We can't have that. Does that, that doesn't make sense? You look at that, the, the truck's gonna hate it. It ain't good, we gotta plow around it. Uh, mailbox policy, um, we do have a running program down there. Who hits the most mailboxes gets, gets the stipend at the end of the year. <laughs> that is not true, and uh, I shouldn't even joke about it. 
No, and, and I, I think these guys will tell you, me and my crew, it's like, you know, we do we do such a good job, the crew's out there. The last thing we want to do is knock mailboxes over because it just makes us look bad as an organization. It frustrates people. But we do have a policy if we, um, if we knock over your mailbox, um, we'll reimburse you $50 for it. But that doesn't make people happy that by the Walpole Woodworkers for $800 granted. Um, but, you know, typically I will tell you the granite posts people like, um, when it gets very cold, they snap. It's, it's granite. It's brittle. This might not even be hitting it, something like that. So um, most of it doesn't typically happen. So these are always my top 10 complaints. Um, plows keep putting snow in my driveway right after I shovel. That is true. We make, as soon as you're done shoveling, <laughs> we're going to fill it back up for you. We like to do that. Right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> right around the corner. Send them around. Yeah. They're done. Because we want everybody to know that we're doing our job clearing the road. We're filling your driveway. So it's all good. Um, my street's not down asphalt, but others are. And uh, you know, like I said, we are ideally trying to get to you know some sort of black on the road. That could be right down the center. We try to do it in four hours. And I think it makes sense if you if you live up on Saddlebrook and you drive out, there might be a little snow on it. By the time you get to Lincoln Street, you know it should be bare. You know that's just you know because the speed picks up. It's just common sense that way. And just the, the traffic on those high speed roads help activate the salt, which helps work have the salt work better on those roads. So you, you tend to see those roads to be in, in much better condition because of the amount of traffic. And I think that's you know it's one of the things one of the things that we get calls from the school department, pr particularly would be the high school and middle school, is that um, you know we go out and treat the we go out and treat this site, you know, we plow it, we treat it. There might be some white on it, and you know, I know you got a lot of folks coming in, and you know, it's, it's not perfect. But the problem is, we're treating that, and as you know, as Carlos said, there's nothing really been activating the salt sitting there. There's no sun in the sky. By putting more salt out there, it, I can tell you, it doesn't do anything because it, it, it's a chemical reaction. So it needs the sun to come up. It needs traffic. I mean, to do it, we do we we do the um, the the best we can. I will, I will tell you a story, because this wouldn't happen in this town, and this public works director never did this, but this was <laughs> like about 10 years ago, they were the school department was complaining that you know, we weren't out there. So I said, you know what, we'll go put sand in it. We'll put sand, we'll do a 50-50 mix of sand and salt. I mean, not me, this was another town. This did Another town. Another town. So this town went out and they sanded everything, 50% sand and salt, because everybody saw it, right? all brown everywhere this is great you got the traction that school department calls up well, all that sand's getting tracked inside now and all this other thing so they never called again and they they trusted us that we knew what we were doing so uh, but that's one of the things that we have to deal with because it is it is a perception um and you know we don't want anybody to fall out there you, you know that we're, we're doing the best we can and i will say when we talk about the schools the, the facilities guys we have a great program work of richard gaskin he's the head janitor guy does an excellent job with his staff, and we, we meet every year. We designate who, you know, which line. Like, you don't go over your line. We take care of this, and uh, it's worked out pretty good. So um, they do a good job. Uh, the roadway is too narrow. There's only enough for room for one car to pass. Yeah, sometimes that happens, and we'll go back. You know, obviously go out and open up. The snow banks are way too high. I can't see on, oncoming traffic. That does happen, obviously, in corners. You know, depending on the amount of snow, so we'll go down and, and we'll knock the bankings down. Um, you hit my mailbox, I can't get to my mailbox. Sometimes, like I said, when you snow, we start getting a lot of snow, we can only go so far back. We want to, we want to clear the curb line because it's part of the drainage system, so we need to get to the curbs. And hopefully most roads are revealed, they come down, so in the springtime they melt. So we try to get to the curb, but if you start getting a lot of snow, the smaller, we call the one-trun trucks, like a contractor, a small one, 
they just can't push the snow back. So the road does get a little narrower. So we'll try to go back and clean that up. Um, can't dig by my hydrant. We talked about that. Um, why do the plow trucks go by every hour? I'm trying to sleep. Some people literally think we should wait till the end of the storm and just go by once. Put four inches, eight inches of snow, because they're trying to sleep and they call them and complain about that. Like, no, I gotta keep going. Um, plow trucks are driving like 40 miles an hour. So I'm here to tell you, I've taken, through the years, I've taken city council members out because they think these trucks can go really fast. If you're walking down the road and this plow truck's coming down, it's a big truck, 25 miles an hour, it's got this big 10-ton piece of plow steel in the front, bang on the road, hit castings. It's loud, it's scary, it really is. It sounds like it's going fast. But I can tell you, I mean, Tony, both got CDLs, we bought them. You can't drive 40 miles an hour pushing snow on the street in Franklin because you just can't. The snow comes over the window, you just can't physically drive. They're only going about 20, 20 miles an hour. But it, it is scary. So if any of you guys want to go for a ride a plow truck sometime, I'll take you out one and show you how to do it. That way you get the right answers. And then my favorite one, people call me, when's it going to stop snow? I'm like, I don't know, do you? I mean, I really don't. I mean, I'm watching a weather like you. I'm like, I watched stuff like 10 hours ago, but it doesn't. So, um, and that's what we always say, take summer. That was my daughter way back, that was like 16 years ago. But uh, it's right around the corner. We were just talking the other day, almost through the summer, so you know, it's kind of like a quarter of our way of getting there. I don't know if you guys got any questions about what we do. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, my, uh, my colleagues in the, the council always spoke so highly about the snow presentation and uh, didn't uh, didn't disappoint. Okay. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll open the floor to any questions or comments. Start down this row. Uh, I don't think I have any questions. I personally am hoping for some snow this winter, even if you're not. But um, you know, definitely like especially hearing about some of the new technology and stuff. Um, I have also experienced certainly the, the difference from one end of town to the other, so that's that's super cool. Yeah, I appreciate what you guys do. You know, we do experience interesting uh, snowfalls <laughs> from time to time, um, but my experience has always been really consistent, um, and, and the guys you have sunny out there, they've always been really polite and helpful. Um, for that plow ride along, is that a 2 a.m. only kind of thing, or is that a... <laughs> no, we take a people in the afternoon <laughs> <laughs> I will add that, you know, um, my wife's a school teacher. She teaches in, um, and, and, and we know that Franklin has the best plowed road in the area. No one does it better than we do, okay? But you know, I learned that a lot of teachers might be coming from Grafton, might be coming from Upton, all those other places where they don't plow like we do. So it's important to make sure that the timing and you know, the, the, what, there's gonna be a, a delay and stuff like that. So you know, we are cognizant of that. It's not just the folks driving to Franklin, it's like through, or should say through Franklin, it's people that have to get there. So we are aware of that when we're dealing with um, the school and everything else like that. So that's why they had that. Uh, no questions, so thank you. Uh, the work you and your department do is definitely appreciated, and uh, hopefully there is no snow. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for this presentation. Great information. Um, I'm absolutely shocked to hear that you do not, in fact, control the weather. So, um, <laughs> uh, that's kind of news to me. But, um, yeah, the, uh, I just uh, have one or a couple questions. Um, like, with the, with the route designs, do those affect, like, which schools or which routes of certain schools that can get completed first, or does it depend on 
um, on the particular storm, or is that map, mapped out always ahead of time? We don't um, we don't focus like on a school because everything's trying to be done at the same time. We're trying to clear the whole town pretty much at the same time. And as is you know assets uh, come up and down, then you know because we equipment breaks, people don't show up, whatever we have to move things around. But we honestly don't say, you know, we're trying to get the parmenter done before Far Street. It's just it's just not that way. Um, what we do deal with obviously when, um, when we get towards the end, um, you know, the high schools obviously because they're opening first. We, we we do look at that. We we have to get our assets to different places. Um, the one thing that we we have done is with the sidewalks is we try to prioritize the sidewalks you know even if we have like a subset within um within our the, the sidewalks are required just because of timing and it's you know it's happened that like sand pond street for example is a lot of sidewalk to do out there um we if nothing else we try to get one side of the road done you know before we try to get you know everything close once so everybody no matter who's walking that we see get one side of the road or 140 we try to do that as a priority but we that is one of the priorities we try to do around the schools first but um uh, yeah as far as the routes during the storm we don't okay no thank you for that so i think it's it's important for the you know, community to know that you know, there's no way of telling which which schools are going to be done first and it's not it's also not the case that certain schools are being picked uh, being picked as favorites no. over, over others although uh the, the one school that gets a lot of love is the whoever put that on the hill off Lincoln Street. <laughs> so, I don't know what they were thinking. But, <laughs> we get a lot of calls about that one, and understandably, I mean, it's a, it's a seven-degree slope. I mean, it, it is tough, so you know, we, we take care of that. But uh, yeah, we, we we were very cautious yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then I, I guess just to um, follow up and kind of um, reiterate what you said before. So you, I mean, you gave a whole long list of different factors that impact how fast um, roads are able to be cleared. And you, you said you have that four hour, you know, past the snow, past the end of the snowfall goal of clearing the roads. But just yeah, based on what you said, there really is no way to tell just how fast roads would be safe to drive on, even considering how um, the, the degree that the snow is falling, correct? Correct. And, and you know, and I'm very candid about saying that the hardest part of my job and why I come out here and, um, you know, look to this as public education is that um, is is the public. It's training the public. I mean, you know, until they drive off the road or hit something, you know, it's like everybody is in such a rush during. You know, I I know I'm aging myself, but the old days, like you know, during the '80s, I don't know, you know, people actually stayed home during a snowstorm. You know, that the old jokey, and they still talk about how you got to get to this food store and get your bread and milk, right? When's the last time you got bread and milk? Even during 2014, you can still go home. You're not home for four days. You know, stay home. And you're doing yourself a favor by doing that, and you're doing us a favor. You're doing your community a favor because we can clear the roads, we can make them safer for everybody else, and they're not impeding what they do. And I know it's a novel idea. It's like, oh, gee, stay home. Enjoy your kids, enjoy your family. It's an excuse, I'm stuck at home. You know, get them away from their phones. I, I don't know how else to say it, I mean, but, you know, it's like you don't have to go out during a snowstorm. And you guys have heard my messages at times and being funny about like, you don't gotta go to a recycling center. It can wait. It's fine, you know, you know. <laughs> so 
And then, like, some of our plowing procedures, like, if we're getting an inch an hour, we basically tell our contractors and our guys, you know, keep, get through the whole route, get one lane open, so then this way, if there's an emergency and police and fire need to get to someone, they can get to that area. So we don't come down and find a road with not even one lane open. Um, you know, once the snow starts slowing down, then we can push back to the curb, really start getting caught up a little bit more. But when it's coming down an inch an hour, we just have to keep a lane open. Um, and I know the guys have a hard time just even seeing when it's coming down that hard. But that's kind of our protocols. Uh, that absolutely makes sense. Thank you. And I think that's an important message to reiterate what, what you just said, Brutus, that you know, people, all, all of us staying home, it, it helps you guys, helps police and fire, working on the roads, and it's really a service to the, the community. So yeah, thank you for uh, this presentation and sharing, sharing this with us. Thank you. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I, I got the pleasure of meeting with these, these guys and talking a little bit about their budget last budget season, um, as we were concerned about the school budget as well. Um, I hope it's not too crazy this year for you. I know snow is what you said kept you up at night, so um, recruiting is hard across the board. In my, in my private job, recruiting is all I talk to managers about. It's, it's a trouble with schools, it's trouble with um, all sorts of services, so. Um, I guess I just wanted to ask, so in 2014, you mentioned that year, that was a year we tried to get an override for the town, it didn't pass. And since then, it's been even more challenging for you guys. Um, I guess, is it safe to say that if our school budget comes up short, you guys don't have any surplus to give us? <laughs> I never have any money, you can't give me money. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking the wrong guy with money. You know? yeah. I have to say, yeah. Make it clear that there's no money anywhere. You guys are stressed out just like we're stressed out. Yeah, I mean, you know, last year, obviously, it was, there was extra, and that's what we did give some money last year, yeah. uh, the snow fund that we did. Yeah, we um, got last year. But we, you, we, we run our budget like anything else. We're using them, you know, we have an asset management plan. We have a five-year program. You know, we know what's going to be. And, you know, this year I could be $400,000 $400, short. Yeah, I, I just don't know. And that's not even kind of the backlog. So it was sort of a rhetorical question. Yes. I didn't read it. I know. Well. You know, I know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a I'm no doubt about it. You guys does a great job. I've been a uh, Farmington resident of 15 years and I experienced it so many times. You are the best. You know, I really appreciate that. And in terms of 100% uh, salt, you use every road or every parking lot use overall 100% use? We use um, we use the same product for the roads and the parking lot. Um, we do have the luxury last couple of years they come up with a it's it's a spray with magnesium and um, it, it freezes at a lower temperature so when you get down into the, the teens, but it does cost more money. So um, we were, we're specific about when we use that, but basically when the trucks go out, they're using the, the same product most of the time. So no sand at all? No. It's real, I, I can't stress enough, that it's so expensive to clean up and dispose of. And um, it's another issue that we're dealing with in public works is a lot of, uh, most of all the landfills in Massachusetts, they're getting closed because of capacity and the DEP is not um, permanent new ones, and it's not because DEP hasn't been trying. It's like no community wants it. Like no community's gonna say, "Gee, I want a new open landfill," even though the, the, the engineering they're not gonna leach, not gonna do all this stuff. 
but where a lot of this product used to go, like the street sweepings, they used to cap it with it. It was, a, it was an end use. But so now we got to look at it. It was going to Vermont for a while. Believe it or not, you know, everybody thinks Vermont is like the nice place. They were taking more hazardous waste forever. I'm not kidding you. Sewer sludge, everything's going to Vermont, right? But now they get rid of Vermont. Vermont kind of stops. And now it's all like going out to the Midwest, going up to Ohio. You got to put on a train and get up there. It's expensive. So it's another expense that you're going to be competing with for schools because we have to get rid of this stuff. And it's, you know, we only have so much money and this stuff has to go and, you know, treat it the right way. But, uh, but yeah, we, it's sand is just the manpower to clean it up, dispose of it. It's just, it makes no sense. They want us to use salt. They want us to put more salt in the ground. So we drink it. That's my argument. So. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. Bruce, again, uh, thanks so much, especially for, uh, you know, I know there's some overlap in the audience between schools and, uh, and town council, but it definitely, it reaches a different audience. And so I think this is fantastic. Really, thanks so much for coming down and kind of informing us and giving us this presentation. And uh, I had one last question. You sure. want to talk about, like, you know, like those 4 a.m. calls, you know, that you might have had with, with Dr. Herman before. Kind of what, what's some of those, those conversations that's happening when, you know, you work with the superintendent at 4 in the morning to kind of find out are we going to be are we going to be closing the schools? Are we going to be doing delays? What are some of the items that you guys have talked about? Um, it's kind of private. It's four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> my wife used to laugh and be like, uh, "Mr. Hearn, Sarah, she's fine." Like, "Hey, honey," when I get to the phone, we're going back and forth. But um, yeah, I think you know, and, and, and you can talk about this too. But it's like where we're at, where we're going. Um, you know, he's trying to. They always want it. I say like tongue in cheek. They want me to make the decision. I'm not making a decision because that ain't my job. But I'll tell them what the contingencies are out there, what we're seeing, let them know what's going on. Um, I think it's important that we talk to, um, uh, you know, he's talking about schools. I actually talk to a lot of different communities too. We could, you know, Norwood's 10 miles from here. They could have completely different, they could be raining there because they're closer to the coast, but it depends on the way things are moving. So, you know, you know how that's all going together. So. Um, I, I think that's important, but yeah, we just talk about where we're at, where we're at, and the people are going. And the biggest thing we're trying to figure out is, um, is the uh, is the delay of school, whether it's going to help me, not going to help me, um, and it you know it does. So that's what we're usually trying to figure out, stuff like that. Can I add to that? Just sure. You brought up a few things that I thought were important. You know, the news will sensationalize every storm, and I know that people are. We all watch it, including us, and it sounds like every single time there's going to be snowfall, it certainly gets predicted. Sometimes it's accurate, sometimes it's not. It's weather forecasting. One thing that I thought was very important that you mentioned was surface temp. And I can't tell you the number of times we've had conversations where surface temperature is not something often that's talked about if you're not in the snow business typically, but that has a huge impact. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And that's an indicator that not necessarily people might not know, but we all know what the snowfall prediction is. The, the second piece we talked about is, um, I talk to other towns, typically surrounding towns, but we are a 10 school district. Some towns have three schools, four schools um, locally. So cleaning up, when you think about the volume that our department needs to clean up in the time frame, not, it's not always apples to apples. So when you see like, you know, Blackstone Mills canceled, um, sometimes we'll say, well, why weren't we canceled? We're very, we're pretty close. You know, we have to consider uh, those factors as well. What's your local context to what you're able to do? And I think that's where the communication comes in key with our 
folks is what are they able to do, what are they able to move, and then ultimately the decision lies with me, but I, I'd be foolish not to do that without consulting with our DPW, who literally has boots on the ground, not just figuratively, but in those early mornings. So I think we, uh, we try to leverage delays where they make logical sense, that a delay gives time to clear out so we can get the school day in, educate students, and not uh, prolong the, the school year or disrupt the school year more than, more than needed. But I certainly, we want to account for safety also. So I think these are all the factors that go in. It's not a necessarily an exact science also when you're forecasting what conditions can be. But um, we're fortunate to have the, the, the group that we have and the team that we have to collaborate and ultimately um, for, for me to arrive to that decision. And the last thing that you mentioned, I wanted to, the timing of it and then uh, the weather pattern. I think when we see storm after storm, and the buildup, those are also factors as, you know, you might say, oh, well, last time we had a storm, they cleared it and it was done and we moved on. But I think when you get a few in a row, that can also have a huge impact on the, the trajectory of kind of how we how we this. And a lot of it's, you know, it's human nature. We'll have the first snowstorm, oh my God, people just go mental. You know what I'm saying? School, you should have canceled school. You have if we didn't start having all these snowstorms, these snow days, there could be a foot of snow out there. Like we gotta go to school. It's not a problem anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's true. <laughs> you know they don't they don't care and every and everything's fine. And, um, and and that's just the way it is. The one thing I will say is that you know this this town's good about this. And, you know I've worked for five superintendents, but you know what? Um, our, our success in these storms are, are based on each other. You know what I'm saying I'm, I'm not you know I'm not saying set someone up or anything like that but you know if we if it's called the right way you know that's good he wins I win you know if it's called the wrong way I lose he loses you know it's just it is what it is so um but I think we understand that and so we're very intertwined with that because you know we're talking you know parents perceptions were you know I can say stay home whatever but they're talking about their children you know, and everybody wants the safety. Everybody wants the safety of what they can do. And we want to provide the best safety we can. You know, I'm not, I don't want to, everything we do in town, well, I'm not trying to put out half-assed product. I want to probably put the best product out there that I can. And that's, you know, safe schools and, and getting there and getting the kids safely home and back. Last thing we ever want to hear, we, we hate hearing accidents. We hate feeling people. You know, what, what, what can we do to make it better? And, that, and that's on every level. So we're very intertwined that way. So we, we really try to work together. And I think like some of the conversations we have, and, and it's usually the day before, we'll watch the weather. Tony and I'll watch the weather, we'll talk to Lucas. If we feel that we're gonna have ice in the morning, I'll call Lucas, I'll tell him like, hey, I got guys scheduled in for 4 a.m. so we can be here ready to go for the rush hour, uh, which kind of puts you guys at ease that we're ready to go and puts us at ease that we're not gonna be caught in the middle of uh, you know an ice storm or something. So we try to stay proactive and you know schedule guys in and uh, have that, you know, have the trucks ready to go in the morning. And we're gonna make mistakes. We are. That, that's just the nature of the work we do. It's like it's not. There's no scientific way to do it. We're gonna do the best we can, but you know, we're gonna mess. We're gonna miss something. I mean, I was running one time, and guy calls up. He's like, "You haven't been on my road like 12 hours," and like he's out of his mind. We went down there. He was right. The snow was like this deep. <laughs> the contractor was lost. We had no idea. He was working in Medway somewhere. I don't know. We had to, me and Dean get down there to drive a camera. Now I'm in a big truck, and then the other super taker. No one else can do it, but so it does happen. So, but yeah, it's snow. Well, thank you guys uh, very much. Really appreciate everything. Well, thanks for having us and getting the information out. So, you know, maybe we answer some questions for your folks and other people before they come up. So, yeah. I think so. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Valentine's Eve or Christmas. Okay. All right. She wanted a hat. I did. The hat was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, moving on. Uh, discussion action items. None. Discussion only items. None as well. So then jumping right over to information matters. And uh, when I uh, kick it off uh, first, so um, you know, uh, we all had some one-on-one -on -one conversations kind of talking about the interest. Uh, Vice Chair McNeil and I uh, put together the committee assignments and we had sent those out. And uh, I know I think the website will be updated shortly uh, with all of that. And uh, I, I do wanted to, I know some have already met, which is fantastic. We'll kind of hear from, uh, from them in just a moment. But I also just to the public, just wanted to kind of throw out uh, the, the committee assignments as well. So that way it's all, all the information's out there. And just in no particular order, but uh, with the comprehensive facility uh, planning subcommittee, I'll uh, gonna continue to chair that. Uh, and alongside we have um, Al Charles and Aaron Gallagher, uh, budget. Uh, McNeil will be the chair with Griffith and Sampali. Community relations will be uh, chaired by Al Charles, uh, Aaron Gallagher, and Ruth Ann O'Sullivan. Uh, policy will be chaired by Ruth Ann O'Sullivan, uh, and uh, the Dave's will uh, join her on that committee. Superintendent evaluation will be chaired by Dave McNeil. Uh, we have uh, Paul Griffith and KP Sampali. SWAC liaison be uh, Sampali. MASC Liaison McNeil, PCC Liaison Al Charles, and Mental Health Wellbeing Liaison Ruthann O'Sullivan. And so um, I wanted to thank everybody uh, for uh, conversations, main interest, and there will be uh, over time, over the, uh, the term, I'm sure there'll be new committees uh, and liaisons, task force, all that, that will slowly kind of pop up. And as that happens, we'll just kind of continue to have more conversations and kind of start to fill those committee assignments. Um, but that said, uh, I know we do have uh, some subcommittees uh, have met, so I think we have community relations. Yep. Uh, yes. So you, yeah. So yes, yeah, so we met for our first meeting. Um, really, just really establish some foundation um, and setting up some goals. So uh, some of our goals are um, continuing with our uh, in-person events, uh, such as the Harvest Fest, Strawberry Stroll, uh, potentially like some legislative forum, things of that nature. Um, but then also we're looking to try to see if we can get like some sort of monthly um, communication out to folks just to advocate and promote what we're doing, what's happening. Um, so that's going to be something new. We'll figure out to see you know, what works, what doesn't work, and what we need to tweak. And um, then also the goal of trying to establish a way for folks to uh, send communication back to us um, and kind of more engagement to way. So, uh, so that's that. Our next meeting is on February. Um, January 8th, which is the second Tuesday of the month. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And uh, Mental Health Task Force? Yes, we met this morning um, with Paula. And um, uh, for those of you who are uh, new, like me, to the school committee, I'll just kind of give you a sort of overview. Um, it's made up of students, teachers, parents, administrators, town leadership counselors, social workers. Um, a group um, established, we established a goal. Um, essentially develop mental health educational campaign, um, targeting both parents of the K through five and students themselves in the older grades. Um, we talked about uh, 
means to educate. We're going to have events, um, similar to you know, community um, engagement. And then we talked about doing PSAs. Uh, actually, um, in collaboration with Franklin Television and Radio and getting the students, uh, probably the high school students, peer leaders, you know, groups like that, um, to speak directly to the younger students. Um, you know, just kind of a heads up, we, we talked about how once kids get to middle school, they sort of stop listening to the parents and they want to hear it from the peers. So um, we might be able to get better messaging out that way. Um, and then the events, um, the one that, so next meeting is going to be January 9th, and our focus will be um, uh, messaging from the, the PSAs, and there's an event February 12th, Panther Pride, which they talked about the student liaisons. Um, so we're going to have an info table there, and then we talked about having like a take a breath lounge. Um, two of the topics, another kind of priority is topic priorities, so two of the topics are um, just a sickening statistic about suicidal ideology with younger children, especially in middle school. Um, I think that the survey in Franklin reported something like, not the most recent, but that like 6% of students or something had suicidal discussion at some point of middle school. Um, and so we really want to target that. And then the other is the, um, the pressure that the older students are feeling um, just to sort of overachieve and be involved in everything and to get into the most elite colleges. And so the Take a Breath Lounge is sort of like a model of like, hey, we just, um, on Panther Night, what they do is the middle schoolers, eighth graders go up and see all the different clubs and activities. So, um, you know, I think the, there's like 80 clubs at the high school, all the athletic things. So to have a Take a Breath Lounge, to kind of sit down and go, hey, listen, you don't have to do everything. Let's just try everything and like take the pressure off a bit. Um, so, uh, and again, we meet next, uh, Thank you very much. And I believe uh, SWAC has met. SWAC did meet last week. Last week. Uh, do you want to fill yeah, in? Like the next meeting is January 9th, Tuesday, January 9th. Thank you. And then for uh, all the other uh, subcommittees, just to kind of like level set, um, I'm sure the chairs will be kind of reaching out with everybody uh, just I'm sure next week too and uh, with most of the meetings uh, that haven't yet taken place to be taking place right after the new year. All right, and then so uh, we'll move on to consent agenda. Okay, I recommend approval of the minutes from your November 28, 2023 school committee meeting as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $4,300 from the Oak Street PCC for field trips as detailed. I recommend creating a student activity account for the 40% club at FHS. And I recommend approval of the request of Mary McMurray to take music students to the Veterans Auditorium, Providence, Rhode Island on May 23rd, uh, which will be Parmenter Day, and May 24th for JFK 2024 to see a concert and perform with the musicians as detailed. All right, uh, is there a motion to approve as discussed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Any questions or comments? Yep, uh, just one question. Um, I don't think it was in here, but what exactly is the 40% club? I'm so glad you asked, Mr. Charles. <laughs> I, we did not stage this. I actually prepared an answer because I assumed that would be a question that would be out there. So, one of the most quoted facts about happiness goes as follows. This is from Franklin High School. 50% um, of happiness is determined by your genes. 
10% of happiness is determined by your circumstances in which you live, and 40% of your happiness is determined by your actions, your attitude, or optimism, and the way you handle situations. So uh, the club is dedicated to controlling what you can control, and 40% of uh, your uh, happiness is ultimately determined on choices that you make and how you approach it. So that's where the 40% uh, the club came from, and it's really a mission-driven club around trying to promote positive, uh, positive things throughout the school. I can remember seeing on uh, lockers like words of affirmation for kids when they came in the morning. Um, just as one example, but there are other ways in which uh, this club is operated. I'm not doing it complete justice, but thank you for the question. Thank you. Second piece, then I answer that. Um, and then maybe my, maybe I've missed it, but do we have like a directory of all the clubs and like what they're for and what they do? That's a great question, yes we do. If you go to the Franklin High School website, there's a section called Clubs and Activities where you can drop, I actually would encourage incoming freshmen. It's a great way to preview different clubs that we offer. And then uh, in preparation for Franklin High's Panther Pride Night, you can go visit clubs, um, but you can put eyes on those, um, put eyes on those clubs. So it's on the website and it's detailed by uh, advisor as well, and sometimes there's even a Google, Google Classroom link. I'll put in there as well. Okay. Okay, great, thank you. Uh, any other questions, comments? All right, uh, seeing none, the vote will come on a motion. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. All right, and now to the good of the order. Um, as in our uh, norms and procedures on the first meeting uh, of, uh, of the month, we'll have uh, the opportunity for any school committee members uh, just to kind of have, you know, address the uh, committee at large, kind of talk about ways, ideas uh, that we might be able to approve as a committee. You know, it's just kind of a, a platform opportunity to, uh, to kind of discuss. Um, so I'll just open this floor. Sure, please. Um, so I guess in the vein of the 40% club, in terms of things that you can control, um, it, we hear a lot of people you know, that have problems in the school system. Maybe it may be due to you know, something that happened to the students, something that happened to the teacher, whatever the case may be. Um, but they tend to go to the wrong venue to voice that concern. Be it they go to Facebook, they go to Twitter, or X, whatever it's called. They go to other people, but they never go to the right forum. Um, and by not going to the right forum, the problem never gets addressed. And either you go to a person that's a sounding board that listens to you and magnifies your your concern, your anger, and you now make a mountain out of a molehill. Um, whereas had you gone to the right process, it would have been resolved the first time. Um, so I just want to make folks know that there is a document out there that talks about the right process and really goes to, you know, you should go to the person that's closest to it first, so be a teacher, principal, uh, or assistant principal, guidance counselor, whomever, but there's a process to follow, and I want folks just to know that it's out there. So if you do go to um, Franklin Public School website under About Us, um, then contact us. There is that community communications guideline document that really outlines what people should be doing um, so that problems or concerns get addressed quicker and they don't just fester and build and next thing you know, you've dealt with something for the whole school year, but had you said something right at the onset, it could have been addressed quickly, timely, and all that pain and you know anger or, or concern could have been addressed longer. 
Um, so just, just folks being mindful of that um, because there are proper processes and if those people that you go to do not um, address the concerns, then you escalate and then you take it up to the next level and see how things can get addressed. And I feel that our central office does a really good job of caring for that and hopefully keeping people accountable, but we need to go through the right process first. So please don't go through Facebook. Don't go to your friend and neighbor. You may say, hey, what should I do? But that doesn't stop there. You go to the right channels to get this addressed. That's it. Thank you very much. I um, I guess if it's sort of um, suggesting potential future kind of discussions, I think um, some comments that were brought up at the previous meetings that you know we're we're managing or you know superintendents managing a budget you know, over fifty percent of the town's budget, um, and we have seven members on there on here. Um, I think a lot of the subcommittee work could be done better. More efficiencies could be recognized. Um, if we had a couple extra people, I don't see why we shouldn't. So I know that's kind of a bold thing, but I know also the town council is going through the town charter um, kind of you know discussions now. So um, I, I met with another community member today who said it'd be great if there was sort of a school committee member delegated to attend the town council office hours so that there's one person from school committee there. Um, just, you know, as we get into like this year's budget season, there's gonna be a ton of necessary collaboration. And I know we have the joint budget subcommittee, but anyway, um, to just kind of do better work. Um, it wouldn't cost the town anything, we're not paid. So I figure, <laughs> why not? Um, anyway, I feel like I'm making a citizen's comment right now. Here I am, the other side of the desk. You have to give your address. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, wonderful. Well, thank you both uh, very much for for uh, for that, and uh, just for the committee as a whole. Really appreciate uh, all the incredible questions and comments uh, that are coming around. And, and uh, as we were looking at the committee assignments, uh, there's uh, you know to your point, there's a lot of work uh, you know to be done, and. Um, you know, I'm excited for all of us to be able to kind of get to work. I know we're all going to do great. Uh, but if there's any questions along the way, never hesitate to uh, to reach out both to myself, but also to, to the chairs of the, your respective committees too. All right. And so uh, now we will move on to citizens' comments. Um, are there any citizens in the audience, in person or online, who would like to make a comment on an item not on tonight's agenda and falls within the committee's purview? All right, seeing none, we'll jump on to new business. Okay, new business. Our next school committee meeting is on January 9th. It'll be after the new, 2024. Uh, we will have a Franklin High School program of studies update for you all. Uh, to just highlight some of the um, some of the programming that will occur, and then that will uh, eventually lead us into the course selection process, which occurs as we continue into the winter. Um, we also will have we have our capital budget request program that happens across the, the town, and we expect to have information for you all regarding capital budget requests as part of that process on that meeting. And then in the second part of the month, we will get a student services presentation and an update on our programming that occurs across the district. For Mrs. Morano and her team, in addition to, we hope to have uh, potentially have 
uh, drafted calendar uh, for the school year as we look ahead, kind of like Colin with what types of carrots we need and whatnot. We're also looking ahead to some of those dates in, in the fall. So that's what you can expect. All right, wonderful. And then um, with that said, I'll now entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second? Second. All right, any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Opposed? All right, thank you all. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.